This morning, as we uh, as we continue in the John's chapter, uh, John's Gospel, chapter ten, y'all y'all need to pray for me. Um, I, I have been struggling in my spirit with so many things this week. Um, our seeing Kitty pass away and going on to heaven. Uh, Kitty was ninety eight years old, and and all that uh, she was involved in in this church throughout the years. Uh, brought back a number of memories for me, uh, a lot of things that we have dealt with as a church as we've struggled about our future. She was a part of that struggle. She sat on the session and was deeply involved with the life of the church. Uh, the passing of Russ Gavitt has been very difficult because Russ was one of those ones who dedicated his life to shaping the character of boys in the Boy Scouts. Before he ever came to Center Church, he lived in Connecticut and had devoted his life to developing men who would become leaders in the communities. One of those touched my life named John Newell. He's an orthopedic surgeon in, in, uh, in Boone, North Carolina. And John was the one who told Russ about Center Church and my being a pastor. And that's how we had that connection. And so as I think about the things that we have struggled with as a church, in represent, representing those two lives, I, I know that God has a powerful future for the ministry of this church. But I also know that there is no ministry God gives us that is not challenging and does not require faith and does not require us to sacrifice, not just our possessions, but our, our pride. And so in light of that, I, I just ask that you be in prayer for me as we go through this passage on uh, chapter 10, verses 1 through 21. Uh, would you stand with me and let's read together what God has for us this morning. Very truly, I tell you, Pharisees, anyone who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate but climbs in by some other way is a thief and a robber. The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. And when he has brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them, and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. But they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. Jesus said, used this figure of speech, but the Pharisees did not understand it, what he was telling them. Therefore, Jesus said again, Very truly, I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who have come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep have not listened to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd and does not own own the sheep. But when he sees the wolf coming, 
he abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and it scatters it. The man runs away because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. Just as the Father knows me, I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep that are not of this sheep pen, and I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice, and there shall be one flock and one shepherd. The reason my Father loves me is that I lay down my life only to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and authority to take it up again. Now, this command I received from my father, and the Jews who heard these words were again divided. Many of them said, he, he's demon-possessed and raving mad. Why listen to him? But others said, these are not the words or the sayings of a man possessed by a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? This is the word of God. You may be seated. Um, I didn't grow up with sheep. I grew up with chickens. And I'm really grateful that the Lord did not say that you and I are a bunch of chickens. Because trying to herd chickens is near impossible. But I do know that as I have studied this passage and become acquainted with sheep, that I will not be able to plunge the depth of all that Christ has for you in 10 minutes. But it is for you to plunge that depth in understanding that God in Ezekiel 34 tells the people of Israel that he is their shepherd. In Psalm, 20, in Psalm 23, we read this morning, it is God who says he is their shepherd. And now Jesus is saying, I am the good shepherd. And if you had been a Jew in his day, you would have been incensed by this. You would have called him crazy too because he equated himself with God. The importance of this passage cannot be understated because it's during the time of the Feast of Tabernacles. It was a time when the Jews would celebrate much like we do on the July the 4th, our celebration of our nation. They celebrated their nation, their founding, by remembering that God had delivered them from slavery in Egypt and brought them into a promised land. That God had saved them from harsh, unbearing life under the power of someone else who dominated them and brought them into a land of plenty and provided for them and promised them that as long as he was their God and they worshipped him, that he would bless them. Their fields would never dry up, that they would have always plenty of water and food to eat and drink and their families would thrive and grow. But the day they turned away from the Lord, that would be the day that they would find cursings. And the most amazing thing about this is that God said, I will provide for you because I am your God and you are my people. And so when Jesus begins using this imagery, it's a very powerful imagery for those who are Jewish. And for those of you who don't know anything about sheep, as you join me in my study of this, you're going to be quite amazed at some of the things we find out. First, please notice 
in the first six verses how the sheep are very understanding creatures. Uh, my dog Gus is an understanding creature, and he's trained me well. He can train me exactly when he's ready for his treats, and he lets me know. It's not unlike that in some ways that the sheep are very intelligent as far as their ability to discern things. What are they able to discern? Well, first, they know a stranger when he's there. I was on a Massanetta, Virginia on, a, on a, a trip with other colleagues from seminary, and we had gone to the Presbyterian camp there to, to enjoy that part of the world away from seminary study and I remember that weekend it was a Saturday morning it was after breakfast and there beside the Massanetta conference center was a field that was quite open quite pretty it was a slope of a hill that basically there was some sheep that were standing out in that pasture and I decided boy I'd love to pet one of those guys and just see what they're like and so I crossed over into the into the into the paddock to get close and as I I took one step the the sheep took two steps away they never ran but they knew that I was not their shepherd and so every time I approached they kept the distance so that by the time it was over you felt like you were playing a game of Russian roulette we played the whole thing we walked all the way around the paddock and I never got any closer to these sheep even though I meant no harm I wasn't intending to kill them or steal their fleet, their, their, uh, their, their coat of, of wool. I wasn't going to do anything harmful to them, but they knew immediately. And Jesus is warning here that there are sheep who understand when God is speaking to them and when they're not. And particularly, he knows the sheep. They know when a stranger, someone who comes and claims to have an authority or claims to be having a right to be in the pen with them, and they immediately recognize he doesn't. Jesus said they're thieves and robbers. The, Greeks, the Greek words there are quite interesting. The robber would be someone who takes what's not theirs and uses it for personal gain. The latter, the, excuse me, the thief is the one that do that, does that. The robber, the latter, the robber is someone who stirs up division. who stirs up division. And so these enemies that Jesus talks about that come against the sheep, there are people who come to fleece people, to take from them so that they can grow fat and rich off of the people that God loves. But the second group, that second group comes to gain something personal by dividing the sheep. I never really understood that until I was watching a program someone sent me about how how lions hunt in Africa. Do you know that lions will attack a whole herd, but they don't chase the entire herd? Do you know what they do? They chase the herd until the weakest begins to lay back. And when the weakest gets far enough back from the herd, they pounce on that one weak life. That's the imagery that Jesus gives. It's really quite amazing because the sheep know it. And yet the question is, well, why do the strangers, why do those thieves and robbers come in? They don't come in because it's, they're there to please the shepherd. They come for their own avarice. But they also notice the one who comes in by the gate, the one who is legitimately there. The one who has come for the purpose of providing 
not for their own, but for the glory of God, the glory of the owner, the one who owns the sheep. Well, why is that so important? Well, if you look in those verses, you will see, you will see <clears throat> that the man who enters by the gate is the shepherd of his sheep. The watchman who is hired at night, and by the way, that needs to be explained to you, when the sheep would get together, sometimes many shepherds would gather together and corral all their sheep in one place. And then they would hire one man to stay up at night to keep watch over the sheep so that if any animals came and attacked the, sh the fold, the watchman was ready and he would alert the rest to the dangers that the sheep were in. And so the watchman would stand at the gate because he knew that if someone came in by the gate, they were a legitimate sheep owner. And they, did, they deserve the right to enter. But he goes on and says in verse 3 that the watchman opens the gate for him and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name. Notice that. He calls the sheep by name. This is what Jesus does for you and for me. He calls us by name and then leads us. And when he has brought out his own, he goes ahead of them. And his sheep follow him because they know his voice. In the morning when all of those sheep, which are from different flocks and I have different shepherds, are released and the gate is open, do you know how they gather those sheep? It's not like chasing chickens. Even to this day, the shepherd walks out and does this. He calls, makes a certain sound his sheep recognize. And this pen full of sheep that are made up of his sheep and those that are not recognize that voice and those who know that shepherd follow the shepherd they don't they're not driven to him they literally walk out toward him and follow him as he walks away kind of like the pied piper who plays his flute and Jesus says that the one who enters the one who has come he's talking about himself as the messiah He's talking to Pharisees, people who are religious, who should know who he is. But they don't understand him. Why? They're not his sheep. It's devastating. Well, why, why don't they know him? Because they don't know God. One of the days we live in is we have a, a time where there are numbers of people who are claiming to speak for God, myself including. And the question you and I have to ask ourselves is when someone is speaking, how do we know they speak for God? Well, first, they do not deny Jesus Christ as the Lord and Savior, the one who came suffered, died, was raised from the dead, and now he has ascended and sits on the right hand of God the Father. And so if you have a Jehovah's Witness or a Mormon or someone else, even, even a Presbyterian who denies the resurrection of Christ, guess what? They are not from the shepherd. They don't know his voice. And you and I must be discerning in our days. We must be. Well, how do we know if then, if this person who is claiming to speak for God speaks for God? It's because he speaks God's word. And you can verify it in this book. 
The power of this is very credible because as the people who should have known who Jesus was, they didn't know. And as Logan has led us in these last two Sundays, we have seen a man who was born blind be healed by Jesus and now can see. Why can he see? Because the Lord has touched and healed him and delivered him from his darkness. And when you go back in the first chapter of John, that's the whole reason Christ has come into the world. It is to dispel the darkness that has blinded us, that we might know God, truly know him and love him and seek him. And so when you think of this powerful imagery of darkness and blindness, the world is blind to God. Now think of that. You have neighbors that don't go to church, and you're clucking your tongue and wagging your finger saying, well, why don't they live a better life? It's because they don't know God. And so the real question is, how do we help them? We help them by telling of the one who is the good shepherd. We, we live out a life that is, that is one in obedience to him. And here's where the rub begins to really begin to shake us. Because if you and I are going to live out what it means to follow the shepherd's voice, it means we must forgive as he has forgiven us. It means we must love our neighbor as we love our, our God, ourselves. We must forgive our enemies, love them, seek their betterment, even when we don't want to. I was listening to a <clears throat> teaching by Alistair Begg the other day, and he was talking about how in studying the, the Ten Commandments, he sometimes wonders if he's a Christian. And I thought, isn't that interesting? I mean, here's this well-known pastor preaching through the voice of, of radio throughout the world, and he's asking himself, am I really a Christian? Because there, he was studying the Ten Commandments, and it says, you shall have no other gods before me. Let me ask you, do you have other gods? Or do you hear the voice of the shepherd calling you to the one true God? What do I mean to have other gods? Well, let me ask you, is Jesus Christ the most important figure in your life so that you go to him for all the wisdom and source of everything you need? Or do you count on other people? Because anything else that replaces Jesus is an idol. If you're dating, I did this in college, oh, God help me. If you're dating and you're, you're wanting to get married, you sometimes want to do everything so well so that you can impress the one you're dating so that they will want you and want to marry you. And before long, that person can become your God. Your children. You want them to live a good life, and so you, you are so concerned for them. You, you pour your whole entire focus on your children, and you put them first above everything else. And we're seeing this happening for the past 50 years. What's happening? Families more and more are putting their children at first, and what's happening? Children are becoming more and more rebellious. Why? Because they expect that they are privileged. They're entitled to things. And being entitled, they expect their parents to pay their bills. I was talking with a family member this past week who was not a member of this church who said, I don't know what to do. I've got a son that just won't work. He won't go to work. And I said, well, how is he paying his bills? He said, I'm paying them. And I said, stop it. And they looked at me like I was, I was insulting them. Well, he'll die if I don't pay his bills. I said, will he? Will he die? Or will you? You see, at that point, that child became that person's idol. 
God says, you can have no other idols before me. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. And the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. Well, that brings us to that second part where it's 7 through 10. The Pharisees, as they heard Jesus speaking, were just clueless. Have you ever seen people who are clueless? Uh, it's, it's just, it's so amazing. I, I've been in those situations when I, when I was clueless, and it's not a comfortable place to be, but I, I love Jeopardy. Have you seen Jeopardy lately? You know, they, it's a game where they, they give you the answer, and you're supposed to answer with the question. There was one person on there, I think they had a negative 2,000 by the end of the game. He was called, he was called Clueless. What, what do you mean? He, I mean, every answer he gave was wrong. You just felt sorry for the guy by the end of the program. You just wanted to reach in your pocket and give him $2,000 to get out of, out of the deficit of it. But God doesn't want you to be clueless. He didn't want the Pharisees to be clueless. That's why Jesus said, Verily, verily, truly, truly, I say unto you, I am the gate. I've been some conversation with commentaries, if you look at commentaries. There really are some great commentaries out there, and there's some really bad ones. But if you look at the scriptures, these are not two different parables. They are the same one, and Jesus is using one imagery and playing it with the next. And he says, look, I'm the good shepherd they didn't understand that, so he goes to plan B, I'm the gate. What does he mean? I am the way, the truth, and the life. I'm it. I'm the one you've been waiting for. I'm the one that God promised you all through the Old Testament. I'm the one. And they were just kind of scratching their head. Verse 7, therefore Jesus said, truly I tell you, I am the gate for the, for the sheep, all who have all who ever came before me were thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. Well, who were the ones that came before him? Obviously, he's referring to those who gave the indication they were messiahs. And he's saying, I am the gate. I am the one that you can enter through. I mean, how much more clearer can it be, right? And yet today, what's happening we're seeing, even within churches, pastors, leaders beginning to say, well, there may be other ways to God than through Christ. We, we certainly don't want to be offensive. How about offending Jesus? Have you ever thought of that? How about offending Jesus by saying, Jesus, you're not the gate. There are other gates that go to the pen. The most amazing thing is that Jesus is saying, no, no, I am that gate the way, the truth, and the life. And then finally this morning, you'll notice in the passage, and I wish I could go on and preach. Many of you are getting stirred right now. By the way, would you reach over and pinch your brother? He's, he's beginning to fall asleep. Jesus says, I'm the good shepherd. What does he mean by that? Well, at first we think that means that Jesus is a good teacher. He's a good guy. No, the context is he gives his life. Now notice this. This is very important. Jesus says, I lay down my life and I take it up. There's the difference. 
I have the authority to lay down my life for the sheep. It's not a surprise what's going to happen with me on the cross. This isn't part of a plan B scenario that God is putting forth. I have come as the good shepherd because not only am I claiming these sheep for myself, I am going to make sure they're mine forever by laying down my life for them and taking it up, speaking about the resurrection, so that they may have life, that they may know God and the one he has sent. Now, any message... Any message that teaches anything different from that is from a stranger who's a thief and a robber. Do you hear me? We've come to this table this morning that we might commune with him who is the shepherd and the gate. Elders, I want to ask if you would, as I pray, if you would help me by gathering. And let's celebrate the Lord's Supper. Let's pray together. Our Father in heaven, as we come into your presence, we are so grateful for this, this time that you have given us to reaffirm that we have one shepherd, one Lord, one faith. And so our prayer is this morning that as we come before your presence, that you would fill us with a sense of your your righteousness that comes through the cross. Unworthy as we may be, because we have said we believe in Christ, we have been set apart by him, we are part of his flock, the sheep of his pasture. And therefore we ask humbly, Lord Jesus, bless this time with you and fill us anew. We ask and we pray it in Jesus' name. People of God said together.